Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Tip crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Runs right in the air deep. Is it enough? It's gone. Ball game over. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Rubisky. Robinson. And Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. The mark in it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage. He came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, Put a body on that man. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got to go. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Swift. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It is a Wednesday edition of Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat, I follow you back, guaranteed. Just try to follow me on Snapchat, see what happens. SnapJHood, add me, and then see if we're not friends instantly. Find out if that's going to be the case for you. Also on Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood. Still to come with the program, we're going to hear from Ryan Hollins. Ryan Hollins is with us because Ryan Hollins lost a bet, our NBA expert. Because Ryan said, hey, if the Toronto Raptors win the NBA championship, oh, I'll come on here 10 straight shows. This is his sixth appearance in a row with us <laughs> <laughs> on ESPN 1000. So Ryan will be with us coming up in about six, seven minutes. Also, we'll talk White Sox. You guys don't talk about the Shack. Shack, come you guys. You're not talking about you. We are talking about the White Sox. Talked about the Sox earlier, and we're talking to Jim Margulis from Sox Machine. Coming up at 930, we'll get his thoughts about the Sox and their win against the Red Sox over at Fenway Park. We'll talk about that game and then look ahead to the homestand at guaranteed rate. That's at 930 right here on ESPN 1000. Glad that you're in. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Uh, the rain delay is um, – they take the tarp off the field, so fans are coming back to the stands over at Wrigley Field. It's 5 nothing Atlanta with the lead. Looks like you Darvish is going to go back out there again. Um, as Atlanta leads in the fourth, five nothing. Looks like the rain has cleared out, even though there is a, a severe thunderstorm uh, warning that is around the Cook County and Will County areas, um, and also Lake County. So we're keeping our eyes on on that. But it looks like the Cubs are going to get back to playing over at Wrigley Field. Jason Hayward had some interesting things to say to Waddle and Sylvie. It was a very interesting conversation. Maybe because Jason doesn't do a ton of these interviews, but he is very, very thoughtful, I thought, about really talking about some of the underachievement with this Chicago Cubs team. So uh, the question was posed to Hayward, what is the difference in Joe Madden this year? I feel like he's still trying to be a little bit more proactive in just conversations um, you know, with, with us, with, as, in, as in the players, just about anything. You know, instead of, you know, feeling like, you know, he can see some things and, you know, maybe, you know, hoping we sort it out, you know, amongst ourselves or not even, not just hoping we sort it out, but, you know, like, you know, he trusts his coaching staff. He he trusts the people put in place to do their thing, but, 
know, he has, you know, things that he can do to help us. And I feel like just in general, just staying in tune with us, just staying in tune with, you know, the vibe, the feel, and, and what we got going on on a daily basis because it is a grind and, and it's a long season. And, you know, the way we do things here is, you know, we have some moving pieces, you know, on a daily basis at times with the lineup and with guys playing in certain places. So just being in tune and being proactive to that stuff, I feel like is has been something that he's done more of this year. And, you know, I, I feel like it's just gone, you know, it's gone better for, for him communicating to us, but for us communicating to him and just him having a feel of, you know, a better feel of, hey, when he can push certain buttons and, and when he can, you know, kind of lay back and just right. let us do our thing. Uh, Kyle Hendricks told us he's coaching more. Would that be accurate, too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, to me, all those things I was just saying, not not to, you know, be rhetorical or anything right. like that. But that's to coaching. Me, that's, that's coaching. Yeah. Because you, you can manage people, you can manage personalities, but he's also a good baseball coach. And he's, you know, letting us in on some of that stuff and, and sharing his perspectives on some of these things. And, you know, it's good because... Not only is he doing that, but he's opening up the door for us to, you know, to give it back to him. Thoughts there from Jason Hayward. Eric, can I ask you a question? Yeah, shoot. Isn't that Madden's job? I know the the, the managing more, coaching more, like what? story of Joe Madden this year is weird. So what's he been doing previously? What? Selling T-shirts and paintings. <laughs> you understand why I asked you the question, though, like. You know, you're a World Series manager, and there's going to be some still in 2019 that will believe that the Cubs were just on autopilot and they were a special charm team that Madden had very little to do with it. I think that anytime that you're in that dugout and you're the manager, you set the tone. You set the, the tone for the team. So I don't agree that managers have no say in Major League Baseball. Fred and I have gone back and forth in that for like 20 years, and I, I disagree with him in that regard. He thinks that they have nothing to do with the game. You set the tone as a manager. You just can't show up like Don Baylor used to back in the day and not say anything to players and just, you know, let the ball players recreate. There has to be a tone set. There has to be a style of play set. And those that don't do that, uh, they don't last very long. I mean, maybe Madden feels like he's got to be more active because it's his last year of his deal. But I think that he should have been he's managing more, coaching more. I think that's, that's supposed to be his job. That shouldn't be noticeable. That should be just something he's been doing anyway. Uh, okay. I agree, so. and he's a guy that's been around the league for a very long time. He's been a hitting coach. He's been a pitching coach. He's been a feeling coach. So, like, he can and has the attributes to be a great, like, hands-on coach. Again, just leads me to the question, why wasn't he doing this before? I mean, I'm not there every day, but when a player says that, it's almost like the manager was taking the team for granted because there were a bunch of veteran players that won the World Series. This whole thing feels like a hangover for the Cubs. This underachievement that I've seen from the Cubs seems like a whole hangover. It, you can you blame the talent for sure, but it's the culture. I, I mentioned this when when Theo brought this up last year, right? At the end of the season, he had that press conference. Some things he didn't like that he saw from the ball club, and I, and I said it on the air. Enough of the grab ass, and it's time to try to win a World Series. Enough of the, you know, of the play dress up on the plane and, and and this you know coming in at 11 o'clock for 120 games and no bp and trying not it you get into the routine and get back to basics you know and so maybe that's the case now over at clark and addison uh one other from uh, hayward i thought was uh, intriguing was talking about 
the road struggles. Uh, I, I am surprised at how the Cubs have struggled uh, on the road. And Jason Hayward talked to Waddle and Sylvie about that as well. I don't know, man. Like, I do know, but I feel like it's not an answer that people are wanting to understand or or care for. And honestly, we don't care for it either. But, I mean, the bottom line is, man, we, we're we us. You know, we're, we're the Chicago Cubs, and, and we've earned that reputation just like these other teams that have been to the postseason the last few years have earned that reputation. But when we go play somewhere, you're going to get everyone's A game. Right. You're going to get their absolute best, and, and that's not an excuse. That's not a, you know, there's no complacency in that because we know we got to find a way to play better on the road, and that's going to happen. But that, to me, that's just a part of the adjustment of the season. That's a part of the marathon and, and not the sprint. And you know, we what, took two out of three here against Colorado. We took two out of three here against L.A. earlier in the year. But what have you done for me lately? That's the name of this game, always right. We go out to Colorado, they take two out of three from us, and then L.A. takes three out of four. So we played you know, two great teams on that last road trip, and we played a lot of good baseball especially in L.A. Right. I mean, there's no matchup, there's no number, there's no metric or anything I feel like you can put on that stuff. We just play good baseball, and they had some clutch hits. We had some clutch hits, and we had some things that didn't go our way also. And that's just going to be the name of the game, but you just, you just can't get too hung up on that stuff right now. It's Well, I don't know what the date is. June, June 25th, I think. Yes, you're June's right. Early. June 25th, and, and we're still in first place right now, but we all know that doesn't mean anything. We know that it just gives us an opportunity to be where we want to be, and that's the most important thing. And we just got to keep building off of that. So, some thoughts there from Jason Hayward of the Chicago Cubs. I'm glad he was on because he brings a perspective that we're not hearing from the Cubs. There is a seriousness there from Hayward. There's a business like approach from Jason Hayward of the Cubs. This team's underachieving. It's as simple as that. And, and again, the um, game has resumed over at Wrigley Field. It's 5 nothing Atlanta with the lead. That game now going into the bottom of the fourth inning. But, you know, this this team has too much talent to underachieve. Now, here's the thing. It's a long season, and there's time to turn it around. But what we're talking about here is a perspective of what we're seeing now from this Cubs team. April, May, June, getting into July, and this ball club should be better than what they are. And, and so... You know, I thought there was some eye-opening comments from Jason Hayward talking about Matt and how he's, you know, ma- managing more, coaching more, and it's like, well, that's your job, man. You know, it's on the players, but it's also on the manager to get the most out of the players to give them, show them something different. Um, and so it's it's uh, interesting. It's an underachieving team. I'll just leave you with this: Len Casper, the voice of the Cubs, said, "Cubs are uh, Cubs are a good team going through a rut." Feels like I say this every year, but it's kind of how it goes over six months. How good are they? We will know in a very f- uh, few short months. The season story uh, develops in front of our eyes. Final chapter months away from being written. I kind of like it that way. Thoughts from Len Casper, the voice of the Cubs, on his Twitter. We turn now to our NBA expert. We say hello to Ryan Hollins, who told me that the Toronto Raptors, there's no way they can win the championship. Uh, if he does, well, you know, we have 10 straight <laughs> appearances from Ryan Hollins. And guess what? It's number six. <laughs> Ryan Hollins <laughs> joins me here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hello, Ryan. Uh, at least you've gotten to the point where, like, you stop, you stop playing the bite. You know, you just got to explain what happened. 
<laughs> well, I think the audience under yeah, get the bit now <laughs> that you that you you know we, we always have to set it up though because we always have a new audience, but we just want people to know like this man here. He's with us ten straight shows, and and boy, the ratings are up right through the roof when you come on. Um, I'll, let me start here. Let me start here with this with you. Um, you know, Adam Silver. I think the NBA is in a very good spot with Adam Silver as commissioner. I'm probably more a fan of him than uh, David Stern, quite frankly, because I think that I think that he sees a forest for the trees. I like what Adam Silver is going, but you saw the story like I did regarding the NBA. The sources are NBA is talking fewer games uh, and maybe an in-season event. What would you say if you saw the NBA play fewer than 82-game schedule? Uh, I wouldn't be excited uh, in the sense that uh, I'd like to crown a team as champions after an 82-game grind, and it would hurt the guys, the last guys on the bench, the young guys. Why? Obviously, you'd be able to see your stars more, but... There's a reason why you have to have 14 or 15 good guys on your roster or, or, or playable. You have to uh, invest in that. There's reasons for that. So I, I think that there's a big, uh, a lot of pluses about having that grind, if that makes sense. So uh, if you imagine what maybe a 70 or a 60 game season, uh, it wouldn't have the same, you know, wouldn't have the same feel to it. And you clearly would be playing against uh, seeing your stars a lot more, but uh, how would you really value value a guy? Think about the consistency um, from guys like you know, and I'll, I'll dig into the past. Is you know the, the Michael Jordans, uh, the Kareem's, the Magics. You know the guys who played back to back, the guys who showed up uh, every single night. So I, I think there's something to it. And think about even like a guy like Pascal Siakam. We wouldn't know Pascal if it wasn't for Kawhi's load management. He had to step up and play big minutes, and he was a huge part of their uh, their, their team's success. With Kawhi is essentially not playing, so uh, I, I just think I wouldn't change anything from 82 games. Um, obviously, the biggest reason would be pay, and that would be the commissioner saying that don't worry about the money. We'd, we'd find ways to make the money up. Uh, I'm actually a fan of bringing back back-to-back games because uh, if those who don't know, uh, they really limited if not got rid of the back-to-back games and being played. And what happened for a lot of these players is they would go through a brutal two or three months of the season uh, because you'd fly one game, you'd had one day off, which isn't a day uh, a day off because you'd be flying, then you play, fly, play, fly. Uh, and it really wore down the legs of a lot of guys where you just kind of get the games out the way and you may have two or three days or four days in between as rest. So I, I think the old format was great, but I do take my hat off sincerely to Adam Silver just because he's listening to the players, he's listening to the coaches and the concerns, but – uh, I, I think the system was fine the way it was, Jonathan. Yeah, I agree. I think I like the NBA the way it is. It's good that at least there's dialogue, but I think ultimately he'll look at the 82 game regular season. It's what we're used to. And listen, I'm not reticent to change. That's not the issue. I'm just saying that 82 seems fine, and you can still, if teams feel that they have to rest their players to be able to get through that 82 game season these days, that's fine. And by the way, by the way, when I talked to John Paxson. Uh, after the draft, the uh, vice president of basketball operations for the Bulls, he made it, going back to what he said to me last Thursday, 
he made it seem like that he would be looking into resting players, young players, and you know how young that roster is, even if they're not hurt. It's not necessarily like they're going through a whole bunch of back-to-backs, but because the Bulls have had so many injuries, Lou Aldang almost died on their watch. You know that story, man. Oh, he almost God. It's true. You know that story, I mean, the wow. Lou Aldang story. Like, like, and, of course, the Derrick Rose, and there's been, and then this past season, marred with injuries. They're looking to rest players. They're looking to go the other way. Is that smart? Well, I think it's the way that your coach plays rotation. Are you using eight guys a night? Or are you using ten? Are you managing minutes? Are you are you relying on players? Are you developing guys? Think about it, Jonathan. If you if you go through a through a lineup, there may be nights where only eight or nine guys play, uh, and then those minutes get really sparing. You know, coming into the fourth quarter, and I'm not and I'm not saying that's your stars shouldn't be playing, you know, 40 or 48 minutes a night. Uh, but you have, that's something you've got to manage. And that's the way you have, the reason that you have to go out and you have to develop uh, your players. If I credit uh, Steve Kerr for anything, is that he will go through the bench. You'll watch the Warriors, and you, you've got the ninth or tenth man, uh, you know, the 15th man lineup on the roster on the, in the lineup playing. And, and he, they ended up having to play big minutes in the NBA Finals. So, I think there's just a way that you have to manage your lineup, uh, it, it, and it's, it's about coaching. And yeah, when you when you run Derrick Rose into the ground, when you run your players into the ground, they're going to feel it, man. So you, you have to rely on on what you have. And I know certain guys they, they want NBA accolades, they're going for the numbers. There's a whole method to the madness there. But I, I think it's just it makes me feel even better. Uh, about crowning a guy the champion or the MVP because he, he brought it every single night. And I even, you know, I even, that's one of the big things that I do credit Giannis for over James Harden is that you saw Giannis bring it 82 games this year. He really didn't sit out games. He, he really didn't miss. Uh, but when he played, uh, he, he brought it and he was, he was incredibly consistent. Uh, so I, I just think there's a real, real value in a guy who can show up every night, and I agree with you. I have no problem with what Kawhi Leonard did or if it makes sense for another star. Ryan Hollins with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We've talked about a number of players in free agency, Ryan, but I, I've not asked you about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler loves the spotlight. You know, here's a humble kid from Tumble, Texas, right? Goes to Marquette, defensive wizard, perfect Tom Thibodeau player, wanted someone defensively, developed his own shot, been more of a playmaker uh, offensively, and you see where Jimmy is now. Jimmy's in a position where he can get the max, maybe super max, depending on which team. What do you think is best for Jimmy Butler at this point? Jimmy Butler's at that point in his career where he wants to win. He wants a championship. Uh, he, he wants... Uh, uh, he wants to compete, and he understands that he's not going to be able to do it alone. Uh, so I, I think he's got a great problem at hand to where, you know, he stays in Philly. They've got a good young core. Uh, I mean, you, you can even argue that they were a game away from being NBA champions uh, in, in some sense. And, uh, I mean, if somehow this deal can get done where he goes uh, to Houston, that's, that's not a bad deal either, you know, partnering up with James Hart. So uh, if, if you're Jimmy Butler – uh, I think he's going to in a prime case. And the thing that's really likable about Jimmy, you know, from the Chicago days, is this guy was a sixth man. He came off the bench. He knows how to play well with others. He knows how to fit into different scenarios because of the way that his career has gone. He hasn't always just been that megastar. And, you know, he immediately improves your team. I mean, like, what happened to Minnesota? 
there was a Jimmy Butler effect. That was a team that made the playoffs this last year, and then they go into somewhat of a, of a rebuild mode. And so even though Carl uh, Anthony Towns got his numbers, uh, that was a team that didn't win. Well, I I think that I could see him staying with Philly because he might look at the writing in the wall and says, well, if you know, there's going to be movement where some more Eastern Conference players are going out west, then maybe it's maybe Philadelphia will be one of the favorites in the East. It, everything, it is amazing that this time of year that we can't figure out where these guys are going. It's, it's kind of cool. I, I like the mystery <laughs> because just just when we think we do know, we probably don't with some of these players, including you know guys like you know Tobias Harris or, or Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker from Charlotte. Kemba Kemba with a straight face said, "I want to stay in Charlotte." He said, "I'd like to stay there. I would I would take less to stay in Charlotte." <laughs> Ain't that funny? That's funny to me. I mean, think, think about it, Jonathan. And, and no disrespect to uh, baseball or any other sports, but this is a really dry time of the year for for sports because all you have is baseball. But think about it. Now, uh, in today's age, bro, we we literally get to talk basketball all year round. Mm-hmm. And if you even think about it, I forget what had happened. Think about it, dude. During the Super Bowl, the NBA stole the show. I forget who it was or what uh, what team. Something something happened from somebody, and it was a uh, it was a big deal during the Super Bowl. So. I mean, the NBA just by, uh, and, and we got to credit Adam Silver, dude, uh, by its celebrity, by its personalities, by the, the drama. Uh, you, you last year round, and there's something to talk about. By the way, speaking of uh, Kimba Walker, Kimba would be a nice, that'd be a nice spot for him to be in Boston. I, how, how about Kimba as an upgrade over Kyrie? How about that? You know, what, you know it's crazy. If, I was talking to uh, Linda Cohen on the Nick Wright show earlier today. And I said that wouldn't be a bad spot because he's a humble enough star and he really speaks with his actions that he may fit there. And that could be a really, really good fit. And, uh, you know, they just go smaller, go younger. And uh, it, it, there's there's some nice little bones. There's some nice pieces still in Boston left even without Kyrie, even without Al Horford. Uh, by the way, I know deep down you, have a, you are, are really happy for Al Horford. Al left $31 million on the table and probably will get something like four for like 110 at age 37 because he's just that dude. Isn't that, that, that could very well could happen, right? Cause that he could go from, he could be a piece in New Orleans. He could be in LA. He'll be able to get some nice coin even at his age because he's still good and still viable in the league. That very well could happen. Yeah, people don't understand. They go, you know, they, they blew their mind. Why would he leave $30 million on the table? Because at his age, you don't know what cap could happen next. And mm-hmm. if you remember, Baron Davis made a similar move when he went to Los Angeles. Baron Davis left, you know, 20, 20-some-odd million dollars on the table, and then he got a three-year, $60 million deal. So, uh, you know, f- forget about the span that it comes. There's $60 million now coming to you. Versus twenty guaranteed because you don't literally as an athlete when you when you start you get older you get it you don't know what tomorrow has in store. I'd be remiss if I, I'm sorry I didn't give you the forum. Um, did you want to say something about the Cubs? You heard me talking about the Cubs coming in. Did you? Did you have a take on the on Cubs baseball? <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about the Cubs, Jonathan. <laughs> well, no, I mean, listen, you have an opinion on that. I just thought you know because I don't want you to text me and say, "Hey, bro, you were talking about the Cubs. How come you didn't ask me about?" You know what's going on with the Cubs right now, so I, you know I will give you the floor if you have a thought on their underachievement this season. Go, go right ahead. 
I'm a Dodger fan, man. No disrespect to the Cubs fans, but I'm a, we're, we're not too excited about the Cubs uh, uh, getting back on track, okay? <laughs> Look, man, if you're at the desk in New York and they ask you about the Cubs, you're going to come better than that. Don't, 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 you know, you know that if it's in that A block, you know, and they say, hey, Ryan, you got to talk about, will Joe Madden keep his job? I know you're going to come strong. So don't give me that on the, on the phone. Man, you, when you're, when you're suited and booted and you're sitting there, man, at the desk, you'd have something strong to say. It'd be a good, strong three minute sound bite. So don't just try to shuttle off the Cubs. Come on now. Come on. Why do you want me to blast your team, man? I'm trying to endure myself to the Chicago uh, natives, man. I'm really trying to, trying to make a mark here, man. I, I don't want to be the bad guy on us. Oh, this network. <laughs> I, oh, I my think, God. I think you should. I mean, you ain't get. Hey, listen, then. Since you're on here so often here in Chicago, you might as well get a place here. You might as well just. You might as well just get a place here and just do radio here because you're on here so often. So you're gonna have to get used to this Cubs conversation. They're, they're 43 and 36. You got to be able to talk about these things. Look, man, I, I, I would love to have a, a full-time contract, man. There's part-time workers in Forky, man, but, you, you know, I, I think that's maybe you're, you're doing. You know, you've got, a, you've got a couple full-time gigs yourself, man. <laughs> Wait, part-time gigs? Who are you telling? <laughs> Who are you telling? You're, you're not the only one stacking up the checks of the dresser. <laughs> this thing is this thing is an SOB at, uh, at tax time. I'll tell you that right now, trying to keep all this stuff together. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well Well, Ryan Hollins, talk to you tomorrow. Alright. <laughs> More NBA conversation tomorrow, sir. Thanks so much for your time. Alright, dude. There he is, Ryan Hollins. Still having to pay off his bet. There you go, Eric. Number seven tomorrow on tomorrow's show. So there you go. Ryan Hollins. He said 10 times. And then, uh, by the way, last Friday, if you missed it, my friend Ryan Hollins said he was so high on the Atlanta Hawks and what they did in the draft. He thinks that the Hawks are going to uh, make the playoffs. And he said that if the Hawks make the playoffs, if if they don't make the playoffs, he'll come on 10 more times. (laughs) He just keeps doubling down. We need Why? to, if Atlanta doesn't make it, we need to hold it off so it's midsummer again. So he can't be sitting there breaking down NBA playoffs. We can grill him on Cubs and White Sox. That's right. <laughs> can you believe that? You said that Friday with Bleck and me. Oh, I can so, believe it. With Ryan Hollins, I believe it. He said if the Atlanta Hawks don't make the playoffs, he'll come on 10 more times. Unbelievable. He enjoys it. He enjoys the coming. He loves coming on the show. And I enjoy you listening because if you're a White Sox fan or a baseball fan, you'll be interested in our, my next conversation, our next half hour. When we talk to Jim Margulis from um, Sox Machine, Sox are able to salvage the series against the Red Sox. We talk to Margulis next on UTH. Don't forget to download the Under the Hood podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Also, if you're a wrestling fan, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Go to Twitter at WrestlingTWT. We had a great interview with Shane Taylor on Tuesday night for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We talk wrestling every Tuesday at 9.30 right here on ESPN 1000. Check it out. Follow along at WrestlingTWT. Tweet that out. 
uh, Eric, so people know where to be able to find our wrestling content. It's separate from our Under the Hood show. We already have it laid out for you. Uh, wrestling TWT on Twitter for Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Glad that you're in today. We're keeping our eyes on the Cubs. The Cubs are uh, down 5-1. That game is in the bottom of the fifth. And the White Sox, they are able to salvage the series against the Red Sox winning at Fenway Park. We turn to the Sox machine. Go to SoxMachine.com as we have our conversation with Jim Margulis from Sox Machine. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 in the ESPN app. Jim, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Oh, always. Thanks for asking. Jim, this is not an interview I'm doing with you. I just want you to know up front. I'm, you and I need to have some ideas back and forth about this White Sox team. Um, okay. I am I am yelling at the TV a lot more this year than I have the last two or three at the White Sox. <laughs> because is that good or bad? That, well, well it's, it's, I'm anxious because this road trip, those games are so close and close doesn't work with me. I'm a Sox fan, so close doesn't work. But I will say that there's some things that we saw on the road trip. It's like, man, just with a little bit more with actual uh, starting pitching. With actual starting pitching and with a few more hits, the Sox could have turned that road trip around. What, what stood out most about the road trip for you? Well, yeah, it's a lopsided roster right now. You mentioned the pitching. It's basically the Lucas Giolito, and then you have the other two full-time starters are the worst starters in the American League by ERA. And then you have two rotation spots that aren't really rotation spots. They're bullpen days. They're skipping it because of these off days. Maybe Hector Santiago comes back. Maybe Dylan Covey gets healthy in a hurry. But even then, those guys are really four-inning guys. And uh, maybe you'll see the White Sox finally go to an opener. But, yeah, the, the rotation is really lopsided right now. Tough. I'd call it top-heavy, but is Lucas Giolito uh, enough to make it top-heavy by himself? I don't know. Then I think the lineup is, you know, has some bright points with uh, Yohan Makata showing some improvement against left-handed pitching. Jose Abreu coming up with a big hit. Eloy Jimenez has been uneven, as you might expect from a rookie, but just because of injuries, Tim Anderson spraining his ankle and with uh, the outfield being a bit thin, John Jay coming back helps. He, he gives a uh, professional effort that they haven't always had in the outfield, but just a really thin team right now, a beat-up bench. The bullpen is starting to uh, regress a little bit, and... Uh, uh, here's hoping that either you know they get some improvement from Nova and Lopez or the bullpen comes back and they just hang on until the All-Star break. Well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I mean, that was one of my biggest concerns with the way the White Sox were looking is they got the, these great performances from the bullpen with Evan Marshall pitching over his head and Aaron Bummer coming out of nowhere. Yeah. And they were protecting all these leads. They're basically flawless with late leads, and with all that, they were still under 500. And I think when usually when you have like a team like the Baltimore Orioles from a few years ago or the Kansas City Royals, like they use those lock, they lock down every lead they have, and that's how they get to a winning record. The White Sox are still below 500, so if any regression hit the bullpen at any point, it would get ugly in a hurry. And I think they were able to avoid the worst of it in Boston, but the Twins are right here, and and they can thump as well, and uh, they they really can't let up. Well, Jim, as we talked to Jim Margulis from Sox Machine with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, they're, they're just, I, I've said this to you and I said this to Josh as well. I, when the Sox are good on a, and hopefully that's on a consistent basis where as we see development and growth from year to year until the Sox can be a perennial winner, the Sox won't get to where they are with Rentree as the manager. Sorry, it just it just it just doesn't work out that way for me. It does not work for me. Today's game is a great example of that, is it not? I mean, listen, if you really have your thumb on the ball club, 
How is when you're down one run, Garcia gets on. I don't know if he had a green light. I don't know if he was told to go. I think he just went on his own and gets thrown out of second base. Now, thank God Abreu was there with a two-run homer to give the Sox the 8-7 victory. But just little things like that, the the, the defense that was that was played, there's, there's certain things that I see from the ball club where you're not seeing improvements, and that falls on the talent, but also falls on the manager. Yeah, some of it is, it's, it's really hard to tell. And I think, you know, when you're entering the third year of a rebuild, this is where usually... With other organizations, this is where managers get fired. This is where Renteria was kicked off at the Cubs. This is where the, the Reds let go of their manager, the Braves, the Astros. All within like the second, third year, it's just when the losing gets to be too much, the manager's message gets drowned out, and uh, you know they have to cut somebody in order to you know tell the fans that they are concerned about all the losing, even though it's on purpose. And the manager is usually let go. The White Sox have shown an uncommon loyalty to Renteria, and I think you know to his credit, I think he's done a very good job of not letting this losing get to the clubhouse. Uh, you know, he's had a very good report with his players. He hasn't been a total pushover. And uh, you haven't heard of any flare-ups, anybody uh, you know, uh, talking behind his back. You don't hear of any discord in the clubhouse. So I think he's really good at that part. He's really good at keeping open communication lines and not throwing guys under the bus. Uh, I think it does put him in corners where he has to defend awful players. Sometimes he you know, tries to coach teams to win himself by bunting too much or maybe switching too many pitchers. But I think he's in a tough spot just by the roster he's given, just by the um, amount of losing he's been asked to oversee. And, and that's why I guess I'm a little bit more sympathetic to Renteria. I do have my concerns. Just you know, I, I think he's not the greatest when it comes to uh, prioritizing runs or having a, a big picture of, of what works when it comes to scoring runs and strategy to that regard. But I think when it comes to the talent kind of stuff, uh, with like Jose Rondon going to the wrong base. Is that because Jose Rondon is not coached well, or is it because Jose Rondon is a AAA player and he's here because the White Sox don't have anybody better? Now with Anderson spraining his ankle, we might see more of him. Uh, it's really hard to separate manager from talent sometimes, and that's where I sympathize. But uh, I do wish that the White Sox didn't extend Renteria. They used this as a tiebreaker year between his very encouraging rookie season and the, the, the setbacks he had last year to really understand what kind of manager he is. But given that it's the White Sox and that they're super loyal, it's kind of I kind of guess take the mindset that there's really no point in fighting it because he's going to be here no matter what. Well, if the if the Sox are good, I want a manager that represents that. Uh, as you mentioned, you, you named off three or four teams that made that change that was necessary. That's not a shot at Renneria, but if you need to upgrade, as you upgrade your talent, you upgrade your bench coach and your manager at some point, yeah. right? <laughs> Although when it, when I you know those teams I mentioned, uh, Phillies are another one. Phillies, Braves, Cubs. Astros, they also changed their front offices. They overhauled everything. Ownership in a lot of cases, front offices, uh, general managers, uh, pre- team presidents, they all went too. So the White Sox are already bucking the trend by keeping their entire front office intact with this rebuild. And so that's why I think, you know, when you have a front office that's already been, uh, you know, given the gift of loyalty and that the loyalty extends downward, I think they're just com- running with a completely different you know, system or paradigm, and uh, they, they're going to have to try to make it work against considerable odds, I guess, when you consider the conventional wisdom of rebuilding. Okay, Jim, is it you or Josh? Who's coming up with the idea of a possible uh, that we could see McCann at the leadoff spot? Who thinks that's a good that idea? That was one of our listeners. All right. Came up with that. And cause just because his on-base percentage right now is through the roof, 
and he doesn't run all that poorly. And with Larry Garcia's legs getting uh, a little bit banged up and with Moncada hurt and with Anderson hurt, it's not the craziest idea. Um, but given that, you know, I'm thinking back to last year with Omar Narvaez and with him having the best batting eye, and they never bat him really in the first two spots, so I don't think they're going to do that with McCann either, considering he's, you know, a pretty good cleanup hitter right now. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but it, it, it's, we should talk about this again about Abreu. you got to figure out what the future is for Abreu. I love that he had the game-winning home run today. It, can you foresee him as this team's Canerco when the team gets good? Meaning it may not be his price that, that, that the Sox are willing to pay for him, but, I mean, that's a DH for the foreseeable future that could be a leader on this ball club. And I think he already is. Yeah, it does seem like Rick Hahn and the White Sox seem to have some kind of agreement or at least uh, understanding with Abreu because when they asked about his future, he, you know, Hahn came out and said that seems like it's very likely they'll be able to uh, have Abreu around while the good part of the rebuild gets here. Mm-hmm. And usually Hahn is not that uh, forthcoming when it comes to impending free agents, especially like Avi was on the same timeline. And he was very circumspect when they came to Avi and didn't really commit to anything, and sure enough, they non-tendered him. But uh, with Abreu, it seems like they're, you know, maybe it's the comfort there. Maybe it's uh, Abreu, you know, the White Sox being the only stateside team he knows and uh, having no real desire to test the market. But, you know, I, I guess at this point, given how the White Sox are, um, you know, seem comfortable with extending him, I, I figured it might have been done already, but maybe the comfort is to such a great extent that, uh, they really are fine waiting until you know after the the season's over into the off season when something needs to be done. So, what what a weird game too. For those that didn't see, you got to read up in this game. Both both teams lost their DH in the American League. Yeah. Ball. It was just such a weird game. Uh, and again, the good guys came out on top, being the Red Sox. I'm happy with that. But just a, just one of those agonizing games where you're invested emotionally every inning because. Well, first of all, former White Sox pitcher Chris Sale's out there, and it's like, and and the Sox got to him early, so I was happy with that. But that, you know, th- there is something there with this Sox team that's got me really invested. Where I, I just want to see what the next step is, like what what happens after the All Star break. What happens? That's that's the thing I'm thinking about. Yeah, you can see the pillars there with uh, up the middle with Anderson and. Uh, with well, Makata's out the middle anymore. Left side of the infield, I should say. Makata at third, McCann at catcher, hanging around for another year at the yeah. very least. And he seems like somebody who could be an extension candidate if the White Sox really think that uh, his success is here to stay. And it's more than just getting very lucky with uh, some of his contact and, and having balls find uh, open spots in the outfield. Uh, you know, there's a possibility there. So you know, add in Eloy and Abreu and. You got more than half a lineup there, and uh, the, the cost of free agents is coming down. So maybe you can supplement that, even if, uh, you know, as they showed with Manny Machado and, and so forth, they aren't really willing to swim at the uh, in, in the deepest end of this free agent pool. But maybe they can be a bit more aggressive with upgrading the team with smaller through smaller measures. But uh, it's just the pitching staff right now. I think is really the toughest puzzle. Dylan Cease could be one piece of it, but. He's uh, had uh, four rough starts in a row in Charlotte, which you know is not uh, doesn't worry me too much. He's a, he's a young guy in a, in a really tough league right now. Charlotte is really impossible to pitch at with the Major League Baseball. With Charlotte being a small park, it's playing like some of those uh, elevated parks in California right now with the way the ball's flying out. So uh, that Cease is being you know even semi decent at AAA right now, given his uh, first go around at it, I, I think is fairly encouraging. But even if Cease is up, you have Giolito, you have Cease. Uh, Rodon at the second half, if he's able to come back, 
uh, second half of 2020, I should say. Um, you know, Nova's a free agent and, and not pitching that well to stay around. It's uh, Lopez is uh, right now looking like a better bullpen candidate. Uh, I, I still think you should get the full season, but right now there's you see like maybe one and a half starters, and then you're hoping on Tommy John surgery fixing the rest of it. So, I guess that's where my enthusiasm runs out a little bit. Is just having you know, it's really hard to uh, provide enough offense to cover that many innings. Yeah, no. SoxMachine.com, that's where you can listen to the podcast and check out the columns. Jim, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Let's do it again. All right, it's Jim Margulis from Sox Machine from SoxMachine.com as you're listening to Under the Hood. We thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Our thanks to Jesse Rogers, Cole Wright, Ryan Hollins and Jim Margulis from SoxMachine.com, show produced by Eric Ostrowski on the other side of the glass. All right, tomorrow, full show, 7 to 10. You know it's Thursday, so you know what that means? Throwback Thursday. We're going to have fun tomorrow, as we always do on this program. Also, Ryan Hollins will be with us and a very special guest for Summer of Football. You ever heard the name Isaac Bruce? He's going to program tomorrow for Summer of Football. So we got that and so much more between 7 and 10 tomorrow. Download the Under the Hood podcast. That way you never miss an episode. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 7 right here on UTH.